0: We are continuing into the book of James. Uh, We we have been in the book of James. Uh, This will be our fifth week. And so far, we have covered quite a bit. Um, Through the first... I'm sorry, we're on week six. I had the wrong notes opened up. We are on week six. Um, And as we have gone through the book of James, we have covered all the way through the first two chapters so far. And in the first two chapters, we have been challenged, we have been pushed, our, our faith has been bolstered, we, it has been a lot. But but the book of James, that, that was the intention of it. As we have talked about before, the, the book of James, or the letter of James, was written to all of the Jews who had been dispersed Around the area, um, as they were ran out of Jerusalem, they were ran out of Israel. They went and settled across the known area. And so, as James wrote this, he was writing this letter to the Jews who had who had given their lives over to Christ, and he was reaffirming their faith and was pushing them to continue that faith in the way that they were taught. And so in week one, he explained that the testing of faith and what that means and, and to rely on the Lord. He, he talked about temptations and how the temptations come from our own selfish desires and, and that only goodness comes from God. And then we talked about hearing the word and being doers of the word and not, not just hearers, but actually participating in what Jesus has called us to do. Week four, we talked about showing love without bias or without partiality, where, where we show love to everyone on the same level always. And then last week, we had one of my favorite conversations um, that comes from the book of James, and that is, faith without works is dead. As we talked about, again, it was two weeks ago, and within that, we talked about how he, he's not pushing us and telling us that we have to earn our salvation. What he's telling us is that our faith should overflow into action. Our faith, our reliance on Jesus should overflow into how we love those around us. To to how we pursue those around us. To to how we show Jesus to everybody that we come into contact with. That is our faith overflowing into action. Our faith overflowing into works. And the point that James makes is that if, if if we do not have a faith that is overflowing... Do we have a faith at all? Do we have a true saving faith in Jesus Christ? And so last week, like I said, that we, we had one of my favorite conversations with faith without works. And this week we move into a little bit more difficult of a conversation. We start chapter 3 today, and, and the, the, the tagline above it is, Taming the Tongue. And this is and has always been, and probably will be for a very long time, one of the hardest sections of James to go through. Because we all have tendencies. And maybe some of our tendencies are are more than others, but for me, um, as I explained to some of our youth yesterday, um, we have things that can set us off. For me, and as I have explained to you all many times, it is driving It is driving specifically in the McDonald's parking lot. That is when I need to tame my tongue. And so we all have something within our lives that pushes us to a point where we need to tame our tongues. And so that's what James addresses here. And so we jump right into it. Again, James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. If you have your scripture with you, please open it up. If not, we'll have it here on the screen. Um, If you're using a digital copy, I personally use the ESV version, and so that's what we're going to be in this morning. So again, James chapter 3, starting in verse 1, he tells them this. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. So immediately, James starts out with addressing the leaders. Not not everybody is called to be a leader, James tells them. Because as leaders within the faith, as pastors, as teachers, as, as those who are guiding others to Jesus Christ, we are to be called to a higher standard. And because of that, like it says, we are judged with a greater strictness. Unfortunately, what that means for us is that myself and Tyler and Matt and our Sunday school teachers, we are to be held to a higher standard. So, so when I come up here and I joke about taming my tongue and, and the issues that I have in my personal life, I, I'm, I'm telling you that in a transparent way. Not in a way that, that's bragging about getting mad or bragging about the way that I act in my private life, but it's, a, it's an honesty. It's an honesty that I want to share with y'all because we are called to a higher standard. We are to be judged with a greater strictness. And so when, when as us leaders come together, we should come together in a way that, that pursues Jesus without any blemishes. And, and that is incredibly hard to do here in 2024. Um, this last week, we actually saw... The downfall of a fairly prominent pastor that Tyler and myself and many others have followed for many years. He was a pastor at a large church in Austin, and it was found out that there was discrepancies within his life. There were issues within his life, and because of that, he was disqualified. He was disqualified from being the pastor of that church. And, and as we look at this story and as we see what happened in his life, I agree with the disqualification. Because as a pastor, as a teacher, as a leader within the church, he was called to a higher standard. And because he did not meet that higher standard, because he chose to pursue selfish actions like we talked about many weeks ago, but we talked about how in the, in the middle of chapter one that temptations come from personal desires— And when those personal desires become action, that becomes sin. And so this man, this this pastor, this, this leader of faith, allowed for his desires to turn into action, to turn into sin. And that disqualified him as a pastor. As teachers, as leaders, as those who are a part of guiding the body of Christ, we are called to a higher standard. And so as your staff here, as we talk and as we meet together and as we discuss things together, anytime a situation like this happens, we, we have a, a very honest conversation. We cannot step out of our faith to pursue selfish desires because we are called to a higher standard. There's, there's a quote that I read this week that is, was remarkable, and it says this. It says, it is easy to take a position of teacher lightly in the church without considering its cost in terms of accountability. Jesus warned, to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him, he will ask more. And so as we step into these positions of leadership, as we step into these positions of of teaching Sunday school, or or leading our children, or, or being a part of the Awana program on Sunday nights, we are called to a higher standard. And James continues in verse 3, and he says, And if, if, we put into, in the, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. The, the bit is a, a metal piece that goes across the horse's mouth and is, is attached to, um, to the reins. And so wherever that bit guides this horse, it guides the body. The same thing is being said about the way that we use our words. The way that we use our tongues. He continues on. Verse 4, look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. And whenever the will of the pilot directs, so the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. James uses these examples because as, as working class Jews who became Christians, they, they understood what it meant to, to put the reins on a horse or to, to be in a ship that, that guided and was directed by the rudder. So he uses these very practical objects to prove his point. The, the, the bit that goes in the mouth of a horse and the rudder that steers a ship, so does your tongue. It, it guides your life, it directs your life, it, it pushes you in one way or the other. All because of the words that we use. Our words are so important. The, the way that we use our words is so important. They're so important to the point that when God created the heavens and the earth, he used his words. That is the impact that words have. And of course, God's words are much greater than our words, but our words can be used to guide and direct our lives. It can also be used for great destruction. It continues in verse 5. It tells us this, the second half of verse 5, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among the, our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire an entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. It feels aggressive the way he says this but it's exactly true. The words that we use can set a fire, can can set ablaze so many relationships, so many situations. The way that we use our words matter. I love how he compares it to a great fire, uh, Of course, living here in New Mexico, we are constantly seeing wildfires around the state. A few years ago, we we almost lost one of our Baptist camps due to a fire, and of course, this camp sits right in the middle of uh, of, of this forest, and everything burned right up to the camp and stopped. they, they were able to protect the camp and, and make sure that nothing burnt down, but when they found out that they, what caused this fire. It was a single cigarette. Flicked out onto the side of the road, and it destroyed hundreds of acres. A single fire set ablaze an entire forest. So as New Mexicans, as those who watch the news and see these things happen, we can go, that makes sense. Such a small thing can destroy everything. even goes as far to say that it is our tongues are set on fire by hell. That if we are not careful, if we allow the enemy to use our words we can burn everything to the ground. I told y'all today it was going to be challenging. He finishes out by continuing verse 7, for every kind of beast and bird of of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind but no human being can tame the tongue it is a restless evil full of deadly poison with it we bless our lord and father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of god from the same mouth come blessing and cursing my brothers these things ought not be so does a spring pour forth the same opening from both fresh water and salt water can a fig tree my brothers Bear olives or a grapevine produce figs. Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. I, I think back as I, as I read this section here, I, I think back to we had just graduated high school years and years ago. We, we graduated high school, we go on this trip, and um, I, I go on this trip with Tyler's family, and they rented an Airbnb or whatever it was at the time. I think that was before Airbnb, honestly. We rented this house, beautiful pool out back, and we're all excited. And we go and we change into our clothes and we jump into the pool. And nobody had any idea it was a saltwater pool. The shock of of mouthful of saltwater, it threw me off. And so when I read this section and, and it's comparing the freshwater versus saltwater, it's comparing the, the fig tree producing olives, the grapevine producing figs. These things can't be the same at once. We, we can't both bless God and curse those who are made in His image. How is it that we live a life where we can come here on Sunday mornings and we can lift our hands and we can worship and we can praise and we can exalt God from the sanctuary? but then turn around and treat a server at a restaurant poorly because they didn't bring the the refills correctly or they didn't bring enough chips or they didn't bring enough bread. This is not the action of those who follow Jesus Christ. These are not the actions of those who truly follow the Messiah. He tells them, my brothers, these things ought not be so. For us to step out and to exalt the Lord and to exalt Jesus Christ and then curse people or treat people poorly, guys, we have to be better. We have to be set apart from the world. I spent years in the restaurant business, and and I know I've, I've mentioned this before, but Sunday mornings were the hardest shift to work by a significant amount. It was busy, and it was, it was a hectic morning, but it wasn't just the fact that it was busy and hectic. It was the fact that people were mean. People were very mean. They would come in, and, and of course, they have nice church clothes, and everybody is, is looking pretty and fancy, and so rude. And it, it was disheartening because I'm, you know, especially when I got into managing restaurants and, and I'm trying to, to share my faith with people and, and then church folks come in. And, and then they, they treat them poorly and, and then they tip 2%. And it's like we are missing something if we are exalting the God of the universe and then going out and treating people poorly. The words that we use matter. If we are going to pursue a life that looks like Jesus, we have to do so in a way that honors Jesus in everything that we do. Our actions, we saw that last week, our our works that, that our faith is exploding out into helping those around us. The words that we speak should do the same. He tells us that, that it is impossible for us on our own to bridle our own tongue. It is something that we cannot do on our own. We have to do it through the power of Jesus Christ. No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Guys, we are to give our words over to the Lord. It was explained to me one time that that our actions, our words, everything that we do should be filtered through Scripture, should be filtered through our faith in Jesus Christ. If we get angry at the server that is bringing us our drinks, how would Jesus respond in that moment? If we get upset at, at those who cut us off in the McDonald's parking lot, how would Jesus respond in that moment? James calls us out and tells us that we need to control the way that we speak to people. The poison of the tongue is no less deadly. It murders men's reputations by slander it utters. This comes from a theologian um, named Poole, and he, he tells us their souls by the lusts and passions it stirs up in them. And many times their bodies too by the, the quarrels it raises amongst men. Our words lead us into a sinful life, into a, into a life that does not honor the Lord. There was another story that was told of a, of a woman who once came up to John Wesley, the, the famous theologian, and said um, she knew what her talent was and she said, I think my talent from God is is to speak my mind. Wesley replied, I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. Because what happens when we speak our mind is most of the time we do not do it with the love of Jesus Christ. So as we, as we wrap up this, this section of Scripture today, there's three things I want to pull from it. There's three things, and, and taming our tongue means that we are to do three things. First, in order to tame our tongues, it means that we need to watch what we say. We need to watch what we say at all times. Because it's so easy, and I I know this is the same thing for me, that when I'm frustrated by something, to just say it. To, To just pop off immediately. But if we are going to follow Jesus Christ... We can't do that. One of the things I love about the gospels is and the way that they present Jesus to us is that most of the time when he was asked a question, he responded with a question. He he only gave a few straightforward answers over the years, but, but most of the time he would respond with a question, or he just wouldn't respond at all. We need to follow suit in how we address people. We need to watch what we say. Taming our tongues also means we need to watch how we say it. Because a lot of times we, we just throw out what we say and, and, you know, even if it's said that what we say is correctly, how we say it can overstep. To, to me, this is where that fire gets set ablaze. Something that that is supposed to be said or supposed to be meant in in a passive way is said so aggressively. We need to watch how we say it. Because one bit of attitude, one bit of frustration, one bit of aggression will completely deter somebody from what we are trying to say. One of the things I love about our staff here is that, that we, have, having worked together for such a, a long time now, that, that we can be very open and honest with each other. We, we can be very open and honest with, with the things that we say, what we are feeling. I love that about our staff. But there, every once in a while, I find myself saying something in an aggressive way that's not meant to be aggressive, but but you know, I'm either caught up in the moment or we're caught up in frustration. We need to watch what we say and how we say it. And lastly, we need to watch who we say it to. Taming our tongues means watching who we say it to. And I know I, I messed up the, the the slides back here. I didn't finish out the thought but taming our tongues means watching who we say it to because not only can a blaze be set um, in our lives because of what we say or how we say it but it can be set ablaze because of who we said it to if we are going to follow the guidance of Jesus Christ our words matter our words matter I love the story of, of when Jesus is, is with his disciples and he goes to this tree that is supposed to be producing fruit and it doesn't produce fruit and he curses it and the tree withers and dies. And that happens because Jesus' words matter. And when he guides us and tells us that we need to go and make disciples of all nations, the only way that we're going to do that is if we are doing it with love and kindness and peace and joy and compassion. It's not going to be done by getting angry and frustrated and throwing a fit and, and being mean to people. This last Sunday, I, I'm going to get on another soapbox and I apologize. This last Sunday, we had the Super Bowl. And there is an ad that has been running for the last several years. And it is the He Gets Us campaign. Caveat. I don't agree with everything that's being done in that campaign. I'll just be honest with you. I don't agree with everything that's being done in that campaign. But the fact is, is that Sunday, during Super Bowl Sunday, the name Jesus Christ was Googled more than it is on Easter and Christmas for the last several years. More people searched the name Jesus Christ on Super Bowl Sunday than on Easter. So to me, again, it's, it's not the idea that the campaign is doing everything 100% correct. Because they're not. They, they are, there's issues. But at the end of the day, they are pointing people to Jesus Christ. And the amount of hate that people posted about this campaign. The amount of Christians that, that shared awful things about this campaign blew me away. Because even though the campaign is not 100% correct, even though the campaign is not pushing people directly towards a relationship with Jesus Christ like it should, it is leading people to ask those questions about who Jesus is. And this week, I I just got sick of it. There's a Facebook post I put out, and um, I, I... I might have hurt some feelings. I I don't know. It is what it is. But the way that so many Christians responded to this campaign in hate blew me away. Because now there are people who are asking questions about Jesus, who are searching for what this who is this man? Who is this person? Who who is this Jesus Christ that they're talking about? And when they search it and they, 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 they can search into Facebook and Twitter or whatever they search into and say, he gets us. They're flooded with Christians going, this campaign is terrible. This campaign is horrible. This campaign is from the devil. I saw that one. This campaign's from the devil. Well, if it is, he's not successful. Because more people search the name Jesus Christ this Sunday than they did on Easter, than they did on Christmas. They might not have done everything correctly, but that doesn't mean that we need to be hateful and condemning and disrespectful. and Because they opened a door for a conversation for somebody to step foot into our church so that we can present them the true gospel of Jesus Christ. They started that conversation so that we can then go and harvest The fruit that is being produced. We need to watch our words. So, today, if if you are here with us and you are a believer in Jesus Christ, I I want you to go back through this scripture this week. I want you to go back and and meditate on this scripture over and over again. And then I'm going to warn you because what's going to happen is if you meditate on this scripture and you pray through this scripture, Something will happen this week to test you. The enemy will know that you are working on your words. And there will be obstacles. Because there always is. Because the enemy knows what we are working on within ourselves. But if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, there is nothing more important that we can do than watch the way that we speak to people, we speak about people, how we speak to people, who we say stuff to. We are to tame our tongues. And if you were here today and you were not a believer in Jesus Christ, I encourage you, at minimum, start that conversation today. At minimum, have that conversation with myself or Tyler, Matt, any of our leaders around this church would love to have this conversation with you. Because there is nothing more important than you can do than give your life to Jesus Christ. There is nothing more impactful that will ever happen in your life than coming to salvation, a free gift from the God of the universe.